is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus three two one When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 291 of the podcast It is Swimming America. The Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, September 10th, 2020, people. And if I sound extra fired up, it is because we are officially all the way back. You know how Texas is back like once every two years or so? We are officially back because the NFL kicks off on Thursday night, on this evening. And of course, major college football flying a little bit under the radar kicks off as well. Miami becoming the first Power 5 team to kick off. So it feels great to have some semblance of normal sports back. It is only going to get better in the coming weeks as all the major college football programs come back, the SEC a couple weeks from now, and of course all 32 NFL teams kicking off by the end of Monday night. So it feels great. We're getting back to some semblance of normalcy. And yet, if you want to know how crazy 2020 is on the day that the NFL is about to open here I think the biggest story in sports is college basketball (laughs) I cannot believe this idea that was proposed by the ACC coaches to expand the NCAA tournament beyond 68 teams not to 96 not to 170 whatever they want to bring in everybody 346 teams, so we are going to talk about that idea and why, frankly, I think it's maybe legitimately one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard in my life. We will talk about Billy Donovan, for people who do not know, two-time national championship coach at Florida. He and the Oklahoma City Thunder, I guess we would say they parted ways. His contract ran out. They didn't re-sign him. They didn't fire him. So he is now a free agent, and I will talk a little bit about the possibility of him potentially coming back to college basketball. And then we'll actually talk college football. Again, it's week one of college football, week two technically, but week one for the Power Five programs, Texas, Oklahoma, Miami, Florida State, Notre Dame, Uh, Clemson on the field and yet somehow it's getting buried by college basketball so we will talk about the big games of the weekend I will give you my betting picks be warned some of the betting picks are a little bit off the grid Uh, I did not uh, you know I do not have any interest in any of the big games but we'll talk about some of the bigger games and then we will get into my betting picks and we will get out of here again College college uh, football starts tonight, NFL starts tonight, and yet somehow we're going to open with college basketball. But before we get started, I want to remind everybody, 
please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you are not subscribed already, please make sure to do so. You can do it on pretty much all the platforms available out there, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Like my buddy Trent VH fan said, uh, I read it last week, so I won't get into it, but he said this is his favorite podcast. He appreciates the time and effort that I put in. I appreciate you, Trent. Uh, Crazy time in sports, and I am so glad that we got through this together. It is surreal for me to think about the day the NCAA tournament ended or the day the NCAA tournament was canceled, trying to figure out what was going to happen, what was the future of the sporting world, and I'm glad we are out on the other side of it with the NFL and major college football kicking off today. So make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Also, if you're not following on social media, first of all, big week for the social media stuff, okay? So I, as promised, I've been saying it on here for a while, but I have created a page specifically for... um, content from this show, from podcast clips, stuff like that. So if you're on Twitter, you can find me at Aaron underscore Torres, but also make sure to follow the podcast specific page which started up this week. It is at Aaron Torres pod at Aaron Torres pod. Make sure you go ahead and follow me there. More clips from this show, more videos, more pictures. Uh, Obviously, I will be doing a written college football picks uh, segment every week. Of course, I do my college basketball picks throughout the year as well, but college football picks are written. My buddy Austin, who's a listener of this show, will be doing NFL picks. I'm working a little bit with my bookie this year. So make sure to follow the, uh, the the new Twitter page, at Aaron Torres pod. Also, Aaron Torres Podcast on Instagram. Just search Aaron Torres Podcast. You will find me. And as always, if you have any questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. And with that said, people, there is no more time to waste. I cannot believe that, as I've said 11 times now, the NFL is about to kick off, major college football is about to kick off. And yet, as I referenced a minute ago, the biggest story in sports, or certainly the most absurd, I would say, is this proposal from the ACC that they want to include um, all 346 teams in college basketball in the NCAA tournament. As I tweeted, along with the people who came up with New Coke, ESPN the phone, and whoever was the knucklehead that thought we should make Home Alone 3, those are the three worst ideas in the history of human civilization. Uh, A uh, 346-team NCAA tournament is right up there. And so let's get into this. Let's talk about it. Um, And and really where it stems from, for people who didn't see the report, essentially the ACC, uh, really all of college basketball is regularly getting together and trying to figure out how this season is going to look. And I do think it's important. I do think that we should give a little bit of credit to college basketball outside of this idiotic uh, ACC idea because college basketball has really learned from college football uh, about how to handle the season ahead. And what I mean by that is that college football, look, we all followed it starting in April, May, straight through right now as we get set for Miami UAB tonight. And it was a cluster, right? Like, we can all agree whether you agree with the Big Ten decision, the Pac-12, you disagree, you think we should have full stadiums, wherever you stand, 
I think we can all agree that this thing was a major cluster. And it was a major cluster for really one simple reason. And that simple reason was that the, the, the powers that be in college football were just like, eh, we'll figure it out, right? Like April, May, June, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll be fine by August. Don't even need to think about it. And then we get to August and everybody's in scramble mode. Everyone's changing their schedules. Everyone's canceling their seasons. Everyone's, uh, you know, meeting with presidents. There's all these things going on. And college football's biggest mistake was that they didn't really have an actionable plan. They told students that they could come back to campus in the middle of June, and then they never really had any checks and balances at that point. You get to August, cases are still pretty high, and all of a sudden you start scrambling. Some conferences cancel their season. Some conferences can't afford to test. Whatever. The point being is that college football did not have a plan, and at the very least, we need to give college basketball uh, credit because, as I said a minute ago, I do believe that they are doing everything to have a plan in place. And, I, and, and I've talked about it on this show but college basketball, the powers that be behind the scenes are meeting and are basically just throwing stuff up against the wall right now and trying to figure out what could potentially work, right? We've seen all the reports. Um, Matt Norlander from CBS Sports, a, a buddy of mine, uh, he put out a very extensive proposal about how Mohegan Sun, which is not far from where I grew up in Connecticut, it's a major casino, how they could actually host a potential bubble. Uh, John Rothstein's put out some stuff. I think I said on this podcast, I have heard that Omaha, where Creighton University is, could potentially host a bubble. I know some people in D.C. that are talking about hosting a bubble. I saw a report from Kentucky Sports Radio that uh, Atlanta may be the host of a bubble with the Hoops Hall Classic, a, uh, you know, an event that has, I don't know, six, eight, ten teams, bring them all together. They weren't all planning to play each other, uh, but you get them all in one place, you test them, and you let them play kind of a round robin. And so... Um, I, I just give college basketball so much credit because it's very clear that everyone is working behind the scenes to make sure that we get games in, to make sure that we're not in the same position as college football where you're planning, you're planning, you're planning, you're not really planning, you're kind of paying attention, you're not paying attention, boom, it's time to start the season and you're not ready to go. So I do give college basketball credit for this, but in their infinite wisdom on, I guess it was what, Thursday morning, Wednesday morning, the ACC coaches get together and they somehow come up with this absurd proposal that they want all 346 teams in college basketball to make the NCAA tournament. The funny thing was you saw the tweets from John Rostin, you saw the tweets from Jeff Goodman. Uh, they were essentially saying that the vote was unanimous. I don't know if I really believe that the vote was unanimous. As much as I believe the power players in that room, like Coach K, like Roy Williams, like Jim Beheim, may have been the ones behind it, and everybody else fell in line. I just cannot believe that all 14 head coaches in that room or on that Zoom call were in agreement that this was the best plan of action, okay? And so let's get into the decision itself. And really, as best I can tell, the reason for this idea, there are two real reasons, right? There's the fake reason that the ACC is trying to spit out, which is that, oh, you know, we missed the NCAA tournament last year, and because nobody could have it, we need to be as inclusive as possible this year. Let's let everyone in the tournament. And that sounds good, and that's nice, and it, it makes for a nice little uh, graphic on social media, but we know that's not really what's happening. And so I, as best I can tell, there are two real reasons that the ACC wants this plan in place, which is for all th 346 teams to make the NCAA tournament, which again, along with ESPN The Phone and Home Alone 3 is the most idiotic idea I've ever heard. 
as best I can tell, the first reason is, and I saw Gary Parrish report this, is that I don't get the sense that ACC coaches want out-of-conference games, okay? And I give credit to other leagues. Other leagues are already planning things. The Big Ten reportedly is very active in wanting out-of-conference games. By the way, that's another conversation. Big Ten basketball playing in November, but football not. We'll save that conversation for another day. It's just nice not to be talking Big Ten football for the first time in literally like five weeks, okay? But uh, as best I can tell, the first reason is they don't want out-of-conference games. And the reason they don't want out-of-conference games is because of the testing procedures. And this goes to ultimately why so many Power 5 football conferences went to no out-of-conference games, right? The SEC is playing a 10-game league-only schedule, and it is because they essentially do not trust other conferences to test as vigorously, to be as safe, to travel the way the SEC travels. And so the way the SEC did it was they were like, dude, listen, we're going to keep it in-house. Everybody's going to have the same testing procedures. We're going to test on the same day. We're going to test at the same time. We're going to pull anybody who's not safe to play. And so the ACC, I think, is fearful that that is going to happen in basketball. And I think in their defense, there's been a couple of good examples of what can happen when a power conference with the money and resources to test regularly goes up against a school that can't do that. We saw it this week in football where Tulsa and Oklahoma State was canceled because Tulsa had a bunch of positives. Tulsa can't test as regularly as Oklahoma State. They can't test as vigorously as Oklahoma State. Um, Louisiana Tech had to cancel their game against Baylor for the same reason. Now, in defense of Louisiana Tech, and I'm not making light of this, this is actually what happened, there was the hurricane that rolled through Louisiana about two weeks ago, and unfortunately, a lot of the players got displaced. Uh, my understanding is that a lot of them had to switch up, obviously switch up their routines. They're not practicing. They're staying with people they wouldn't normally stay with. But the point remains is that there are all these positive tests and we're having to cancel football games. And so I think the ACC is looking at that and saying like, dude, we just don't really want to play out of conference games. We'll play like 22 or whatever, 24 out of in conference games. We'll play a home and home with everybody, whatever. We just don't want to play out of conference games. I think it's dumb. I think it can be done safely. I think when you have these bubbles, you bring everybody in and test them together. So that doesn't really make sense to me. But I do believe that's one of the reasons. I'd also say I think the ACC is pretty unique in this category in terms of the concerns about the safety of the virus. Something to consider and remember with the ACC, they have off the top of my head like five coaches that are right around 70 years old, right? Coach K is 70 plus. Jim Beheim at Syracuse is 70 plus. Roy Williams is in his like late 60s. I don't think he's hit 70 yet. Leonard Hamilton at Florida State is 70 plus. And Jim Laranega at Miami is right around his late 60s as well. And so I do think that some of the older coaches who are more successful, who have a bigger voice in the room, probably are pushing more aggressively for no out of conference games for the reason that I just said. Uh, because they're worried about testing. I think the other reason that the that the ACC is really pushing for this is something that in theory makes sense, but when you actually break it down, it doesn't, and that's about cold hard cash, right? What's the old saying? Just follow the money. You got a problem, confused about something, just follow the money, you get to the solution, and I think that's the situation for the ACC. One, I think they can probably save money by not playing any out-of-conference games, by not traveling to any of these bubbles. Again, I disagree with the concept, but I think that's their thought. But I think the other thought from the ACC that they're trying to push publicly, which makes absolutely no sense, but they're going to keep trying, 
is that, well, 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 we lost all this money from the NCAA tournament last year, right? You don't play any NCAA tournament. You get no games. You get no TV revenue. Well, guess what? Instead of playing no tournament last year, let's quadruple the size of it this year. It's not even quadruple. It's way bigger than that. But let's play a bigger, better, crazier tournament this year to make up for last year not having a tournament. And all I would say is that's pretty much the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because like so many things in life, quantity does not equal quality. And I do think like that is the first reason where like on the very surface level, um, this just doesn't make sense, right? So like, like first of all, quantity does not equal quality, right? Like, like having Cal State Northridge play um, Montana State, like, like, like you can, you can, uh, uh, you could call it the NCAA tournament, but nobody's tuning in to watch, right? Like we tune into to the NCAA tournament for the bracket for the 68 teams, the bracket reveal, all that stuff. Now we're just going to have 346 teams playing. We're going to call it the NCAA tournament, and we, we're going we're gonna to slap a bracket on it and call it the NCAA tournament. It's not the same. Reminds me of the line from Tommy Boy. What is it? You can get a, a, a good look at a, at a bull's – you could get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. That's kind of like the NCAA tournament. You can play Cal State Northridge versus Montana State in March and call it the NCAA tournament, but I'd rather have the real NCAA tournament. All right, not going to lie, that analogy made no sense, but I thought of the line, so I went with it. Deal with it, people, okay? But I think that is the first reason why this doesn't make sense. So let's get into why I believe this is a terrible decision. I'm actually surprised there are some people that are publicly behind this decision. Listen, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I have no problem. I just don't really get it. So here are the reasons that to me, just your boy AT, just saying this is just me, this idea makes no sense. So first of all, is the, that exact reason that I just said, right? The TV, uh, the NCAA tournament to go from 68 to 346 teams, um, the TV people have to sign off on it, right? And I think the ACC's idea is that, hey, no NCAA tournament last year, so we'll make it way bigger, way crazier this year. Here's the problem. You know who's not going to be behind that? CBS and Turner, the ones who broadcast that, that, that tournament. I mean, if you just think about it in the simplest form, right, what we have to remember is, listen, we are in the middle of a global pandemic. We're hopefully beyond the middle, but you get the point. We're still in the process of getting out of a global pandemic. This pandemic has wreaked havoc on our economy. I feel bad for so many people whose lives have been altered over the course of the last six months who may be altered going forward. We've all gone through it. We've all lost job opportunities. We've all know somebody who's lost job, whatever the case may be. But you know who else has suffered through all this? The TV networks, especially Turner, especially CBS, who were not able to broadcast the NCAA tournament, which of course means that they were not able to get the money and the revenue from broadcasting the NCAA tournament. So first of all, I just don't buy the idea that the TV networks, which are hemorrhaging money, just like virtually every company in America is, I don't buy that the TV networks are going to sign off on this. Again, you can't you can't play, you know, Cal State Northridge again for the millionth time. Cal State Northridge and Montana State, you can't just have them play, call it the NCAA tournament and expect people to watch. It's not going to happen. I don't believe the TV networks will get behind it, okay? So that's the first reason. I think the second reason is, is that 
Um, you know, I think that that playing a and let, so that's the most obvious logical reason. Now let's get into some kind of personal reasons, some reasons that like we as college basketball fans just don't want it, or at least I don't want. It. And if you disagree with me, you're more than welcome to disagree. But number two, I think this is an important part as well. You play a 364-team NCAA tournament, not only are the TV networks not happy about broadcasting it, but you know who else isn't happy about it? All the other TV networks, ESPN, Fox, Fox Sports 1, ESPN 2, ESPNU, ACC Network, SEC Network, Big Ten Network. And you know why? Because what you've just done, you've ruined the NCAA tournament, but you've also made the college basketball regular season completely meaningless. And you guys know me, most of you have been listening for years, for people who are new to the show, I love college hoops. I spend a ton of the year talking college hoops on this show. I'm a guy that's going to watch games no matter what. I am a guy that is going to come on and react to Duke, Virginia, uh, whether it's in February, whether it's in December, or whether it's the opener of the ACC tournament or the ACC tournament championship game. I am a rare and dying breed, okay? I understand that most people, when college basketball overlaps in most years with college football, with the NFL, with, in some cases, the end, the beginning of Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, uh, the NBA in most years as well, I understand you guys don't have a ton of time to watch regular season college hoops, and that's under normal circumstances. Now imagine the circumstance where every game literally means nothing. Because if you let everybody in the NCAA tournament, then again, Every game literally means nothing. All you're doing all year is playing for seeding. There is no meaning to any game. There is a reason that NBA regular season ratings are down. There is, there is a reason for that situation. And that is because, frankly, the NBA regular season doesn't matter. The players don't play. The players understand I could take a night off here and there. It's going to be fine. The players understand I could take more than one night off, and it's not going to affect us. I just got to be ready for the playoffs. And it'd be the same with college basketball. I mean, imagine a scenario where, um, you know, whoever, you know, you know, Duke starts one in three, Kentucky starts one in three, Carolina starts 0 oh and four. I mean, think back to Carolina last year. Carolina had the worst year historically in the history of the program. And imagine if none of it mattered because they just got into the NCAA tournament. Imagine if North Carolina was just like, eh, you know, whatever. We went eight, you know, 13 and 18 or whatever. But, but you know, whatever. We're just going to turn it on in the NCAA tournament. It makes no sense, and it's, no, it's, it's not fair to the consumer. It's not fair to the players. It's not fair to the TV networks. It's not fair to the coaches. It makes no sense, okay? So that's, that's two. So first of all, TV networks will never go for it. It devalues the regular season, which, again, is something the TV networks are not going to be happy about. Then on top of that, here's my biggest issue, is it devalues everything that we like about actual college basketball, right? Think about the, the kind of concept of the college basketball regular season, right? Play in November, play in December, play in January. And then February, when the NFL season begins to end, it really ramps up. And how does it ramp up? It ramps up with bracketology. It ramps up with bubble talk. It ramps up with conference tournaments. And now we're going to play none of them. Think about a world. First of all, poor Joe Lenardi, who's going to have to put together a 346-team bracket and come on ESPN and talk about it. I was thinking about this day. We'll get back to it in a minute. Poor Joe Lenardi, who's going to be in that bracket bunker with stacks of paper to his left and to his right. He's got to come on and explain why Pepperdine fell from a 28 seed to a 29 seed. Like, poor Joe Lenardi. 
Okay, Joel Lenardi side tangent over, but let me get back to the main point. The things that we love about, so, so first of all, we're going to completely devalue the regular season. Then the things that we actually, people, the average person checks in for are going to be devalued as well. There will be no bubble talk when, um, you know, when we have a 346-team tournament, okay? Beyond no bubble talk, that's what makes the end of the college basketball regular season interesting. Indiana's on the bubble. They're fighting for their playoff lives. What does it mean? What does it? They lose today. Does that hurt them? Does it help this team? Florida stinks, but they went on a three-game winning streak. Does that help them? Does that hurt them? Let's get to the conference tournament. We got to win two games to get into the big dance. We got to win the whole thing to get to the big dance. Now none of it matters. So what the heck are we going to talk about in 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 February? There's going to be nothing to talk about. Seeding? Who cares? Everybody gets in. doesn't matter who's the number one seed. you got to win 72 games to get to the national championship. It's like the movie Basketball. You guys remember Basketball? When there was like 15 rounds of the playoffs, they went on for like nine months. <laughs> I'm sorry. Kid. If, you, if you've seen the clip, it's hilarious. I tweeted it out today. But Basketball, 15 months regular, you know, 15 round postseason, eight months. Like that's going to be college basketball. Why are we going to talk bracketology? It doesn't matter if Pepperdine's a 27 seed or a 28 seed. It's irrelevant. But the point is, everything that we love about college basketball is going to be negligible come February. I would add this. Listen, I'm one of those freaks, and I've argued this before. I actually like the end, the conference, the week of conference tournaments more than the actual first week of the NCAA tournament. And it's not that I don't love the NCAA tournament. It's that the conference tournaments... You get all the kind of fire and passion and piss and vinegar of the first round of the NCAA tournament, but you get it over the course of a full week instead of two or three days. Um, you get the best teams. You get a Duke playing three, four times in a week. You get North Carolina, Kentucky, UConn, Syracuse, whoever playing four or five times in a week. Um, you're, they're playing better competition. But again, that's one, that's, that's just a great, great, great thing. But two... Isn't kind of having conference tournaments exactly what you're proposing? Because that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Well, the idea is everybody, if we go to a 346-team tournament, then everybody gets a shot uh, to, to play for the NCAA. Everyone gets a shot to play for the championship. Well, isn't that what conference tournaments are about? Now, you can argue a conference tournament isn't the best way to uh, determine an automatic qualifier. I can't argue with that. But I would also say... That while that's the not the best way to uh, determine an automatic conference winner, it still serves the purpose of a 346-team NCAA tournament, which is everybody gets a shot to compete for a championship. You win the Big South. You win the SOCON. You win the Big West, the WCC, the SEC, the ACC. You got a shot to play for the national championship. So are we just doing that anyway by just not having conference tournaments and having a 346-team field? It doesn't make sense. Finally, the last thing to me is it kind of just ruins the actual NCAA tournament too, right? Because like, what do we love about the NCAA tournament? Unless it's your school playing, you love getting together with your buddies. You love going to Buffalo Wild Wings. You love basketball at, at, at noon Eastern and you're drinking and you're eating wings and you're having a good time and you're checking your bracket. And if you live in a state where you can bet, you're betting on some of the games. I'm not saying you can't do that now. But it's a little different when you can take off a Thursday and Friday from work, and now you got to take off like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in perpetuity because there's a million games because there's 346 teams in. So I'm not going to beat this to you know it's it's a dead horse at this point. But I will just say it makes no sense. 
I don't like it. I'm not interested in it. I think most of you feel this way. Um, but I would also add, the good news is it feels as though most people who cover college basketball don't like it. And on top of that, uh, there's a lot of coaches already pushing back. Uh, I saw Jeff Goodman tweet about ADs calling it a total a total S show. I'm trying to be appropriate here. It's a family, family show. Um, calling it an S show. I hear uh, other coaches that I've talked to say it's ridiculous. And these are coaches, by the way, many of them which could benefit from this type of situation. It doesn't feel as though there's any fervor for this 346-team tournament. And I just hope that we don't get it, one. Um, and two, that we just get a normal college basketball season with bubbles and whatever a normal season will look like. Because to me, this doesn't make sense for all the reasons that I said. All right, let's get into, I guess, another pseudo-college hoops-related topic, and that is the departure of Billy Donovan from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Billy Donovan on Wednesday night, Tuesday night, whenever it was, uh, basically he met with Oklahoma City, and they decided to mutually part ways. And it's funny, right, because you hear the term mutually part ways, and most of the time it's total BS. Coach sucks, he's basically getting fired, but they don't want to call it being fired, uh, and so they, they call it mutually parting ways as a nice way to say, you suck at your job, you're fired. That is not the case with Billy Donovan, um, who basically is in a situation where he came to Oklahoma City, the team was a contender, he came to try to help the team win a championship, they've obviously lost Kevin Durant, lost Russell Westbrook, lost Paul George, now they're in rebuild mode, and especially in a pandemic, they're probably going to trade their high-priced older players, specifically Chris Paul. They're going to get rid of those guys. They're going to go young with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and some of the other young pieces on the team, and they're going to go into rebuild mode. And so it doesn't really make sense to have a $5 million a year coach who was brought in to coach veterans to try to win a championship be part of a rebuild. By the way, it's kind of surreal, I might add. It feels like a million years ago that Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City, but Billy Donovan's first year at OKC, it was Kevin Durant's last year, and he was basically brought in to try and lead KD and Russell Westbrook to a championship. Of course, it doesn't happen. They get to the Western Conference Finals. They're up 3-1, can't win. KD leaves. Westbrook stays. Then they bring in Paul George. Then Paul George demands a trade. Then Westbrook gets traded, and now here we are. But the point I'm trying to get to without going off on too many side tangents, all sorts of side tangents today. Tommy Boy, uh, Joe Lenardi, Kevin Durant. Now we're back to Billy Donovan. Okay. But the reason the Billy Donovan stuff is interesting is, of course, whether he intends to ever come back to college basketball or not, he is now immediately already the hottest free agent in college basketball. And from all reports, he wants to stay in the NBA, and it really stems back to, to the end of his time in college basketball. I think he got tired of recruiting, the travel, dealing with parents, dealing with players, dealing with AAU coaches. He's like, dude, I just want to go to the NBA, all basketball, all the time, don't have to worry about all this nonsense. And so by all accounts, he does want to stay in the NBA. I saw Woj tweet that the Chicago Bulls could have a lot of interest in him, but I would say a couple things. One... Chicago Bulls are in a rebuild just like the Oklahoma City Thunder are, so I'm not sure that he is that much better of an alternative than what they could, I'm not sure that, that that is that much of a better alternative than just staying in OKC. Two, on top of that, um, you know, 
I don't know what jobs are actually that good out there. I guess in theory, the New Orleans Hornets job is pretty good with Zion and Lonzo Ball. Doesn't appear as though Billy Donovan right now at least is a candidate. Same with the Indiana Pacers. Doesn't appear right now as though he is a candidate. And so it's easy to say, I don't want to come back to college, but sometimes you really don't have any good options at the pro level. I think back to Fred Hoiberg, who was ironically with the Chicago Bulls, gets fired, wants to stay in the NBA, not a lot of great options, ends up coming back to college. And so I do want to talk about Billy, Billy Donovan in the vacuum of college basketball, even if I don't necessarily think he is in a rush to come back. And all I'll say is this. There are a lot of coaches right now who should be thanking their lucky stars that their schools cannot afford to fire them at this exact moment. Because obviously, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I think it's worth noting that I do think that for the most part, a lot of the college basketball and college football coaching carousels are going to basically be non-existent this year. Pete Thamel from Yahoo actually wrote a really good article about this from the college football perspective, but when you look at all these schools cutting sports, cutting teams, cutting jobs within the athletic department, it's going to be really hard to justify firing a coach and paying them $8, $10, $12, 15000000 million a year to go away, not just in football, but in basketball. Now, I know there are exceptions. Danny Manning was fired late at Wake Forest, but that was before this pandemic really picked up. I mean, I think when he was fired, there was a belief that football was going to be relatively normal this year. And also, that uh, his whole buyout was, was, was paid for by private funds and private donations. Now I think as athletic departments are cutting jobs, furloughing people, I think it's going to be hard to justify. And a lot of coaches should be thankful for that because if Billy Donovan is available, I'm just saying, like he's going to get a lot, he's going to be at the front of the line for a lot of jobs. I would start, by the way, you know where I would start? Ironically, I would probably start at Florida. Now look, I don't think Mike White's getting fired anytime soon. And I'm not even saying that he's been justified to be fired. But never forget, Billy Donovan won two national championships at Florida and I believe made five Final Fours, either four or five. I can't remember. When you make that many Final Fours, AT tends to forget, okay? But Mike White is clearly not Billy Donovan. And Florida is clearly not the program that it was under Billy Donovan. And so all I'm saying is, under normal circumstances, I could see the scenario where Florida fans would be like, Look, I'm not saying we got to push Mike White out, but maybe you contribute 50 bucks to his bio. Maybe you contribute 50 bucks. I'll put in 20. Let's get this guy out of here. Mike White, the last three years, 21 and 13, 20 and 16, 19 and 12. You mean to tell me Billy Donovan wouldn't be an immediate upgrade at Florida? I think under normal circumstance, I'm not saying they would fire him. I'm saying they might think about it, though. Texas with Shaka Smart goes without saying, said it on this podcast months ago. If it wasn't for coronavirus, he'd be out. Texas kicked the tires to try to find somebody to replace him. They couldn't get anybody to leave their job in the spring because, of course, you couldn't travel. You couldn't do anything that you needed to do to interview for the job. You couldn't pull your kids out of school. So Texas, in theory, could be looking for a head coach next year. But again, maybe Shaka Smart's lucky. And then you go across college basketball, and I'm just telling you, there are a lot of programs that I think have coaches that are like, dude, we like our coach, but if Billy Donovan is available, whew, that guy's got to go. Let's get Billy Donovan in this place. And so it'll be interesting to see going forward. I don't think Billy Donovan's in a rush, and I do think Billy Donovan wants to stay in the NBA, but who's to say that the NBA opportunity will provide itself? And if he is not coaching in the NBA next year, 
I'm just saying watch out. Because assuming that we don't have a 346-team NCAA tournament and assuming somebody's team sucks and assuming people get fired, Billy Donovan will be the hottest name in college basketball coaching circles. I have not given up the idea that maybe, just maybe, he's coaching in college basketball next year. All right, last little topic. We'll get out of here. Um, I guess we should probably talk some football, right? Week one of college football here. Can't believe it. Technically, it's week two. Last week was week one. Shout out to Army beat Middle Tennessee State. Shout out to BYU curb stomp Navy. But this is the first real big weekend, right? This is the first real big weekend of college football. ACC teams are playing. Big 12 teams are playing. And of course, in two weeks from now, uh, the SEC will kick off. Cannot wait for September 26th. I will say, I don't feel like it's going to feel like real college football until we get the SEC back. And that's no disrespect to the Big 12 or the ACC or the Pac-12, but the Big 12 is playing out-of-conference games only this week. The ACC is playing in-conference games, but let's be honest, who really pays attention to anybody besides Clemson in the ACC and, of course, Notre Dame this year, which will technically be in the ACC? UNC, by the way, will be really good outside of them. I, I just I don't, I don't see the scenario where you're watching ACC football. So I can't wait for a couple weeks. We get LSU, Mississippi State. We get Auburn, Kentucky, all those games. What I do want to do before I get out of here as it relates to college football is I do want to hand out my bets, okay? And I want to hand out my bets of the week because this is not, as I just referenced 30 seconds ago, a normal week. Uh, there are not a lot of big games to preview. I can't get on here and spend 10 minutes talking about Alabama, LSU, or Clemson, Notre Dame, or Texas, Oklahoma. So what I'll just do is I'll hand out my favorite bets of the week, and I'll start with the two games that I'm actually going to stay away from, which are, in fact, the Clemson and Notre Dame games. So Clemson, Wake Forest. A lot of people want to bet that it's the biggest game. It's the ABC primetime game. To me, just feels like a stay away. Clemson's a 32.5-point favorite. They're going to win. They're going to win convincingly. But the one thing I will say, Wake Forest has historically actually been a pretty good offense. Obviously, Jamie Newman left a few weeks ago, the guy that was at, at Georgia. He declared for the draft. Instead, he pulled out of school. Uh, but their quarterback, Wake Forest quarterback, was actually their starter two years ago, got hurt. Jamie Newman took over. And so because of it, Wake Forest can score points. So for me, I'm just staying away from Clemson. Because look, they could win by 35, they could win by 28, they could win by 42. I just don't want to be sweating out a 32 and a half point win uh, if they're up, you know, I don't know, 42 to 10 with three minutes to go. Clemson's going to win. That is a stay away. Second stay away, Duke at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, as I just referenced a minute ago, they are in fact a ACC school this year. But I'll be honest, I am not as high on Notre Dame as everybody else this year. Reason, very simple. I think they're good. But by the way, I should even backtrack. For people that are new to this show, I think I'm actually one of the bigger Notre Dame defenders out there. I think what Brian Kelly's done is actually pretty incredible. They've won 10 games three straight years. They're like a real team. Now, they haven't won the big games. They lost to Georgia last year. They lost to Clemson in the playoff. They lost to Alabama in the national championship game. But they're a real team. They're a good program. But if you look at them, they had a bunch of really good wide receivers last year. Those guys are all gone, and there are major holes all over the defense. And so to me, I look at Notre Dame, and it just feels like they are going to be a stay away from me for the time being. I will not be betting Notre Dame this weekend. They are about a three-touchdown favorite against Duke. I will be staying away from the two biggest games of the weekend. I would also mention, be staying away from North Carolina against uh, Syracuse. North Carolina is going to score a ton of points this year. 
but I'm just it's just a stay away to me. Louisville plays Western Kentucky. I actually like Scott Satterfield. I think he's a really good coach. The run defense wasn't very good last year. They gave up a lot of yards on the ground. Western Kentucky can move the ball on the ground, so I will stay away even though I think Louisville wins. All right, the five picks that I like for this weekend, let's get into them. And two of them actually come from Thursday night in that Miami, uh, Miami FAU game. So I like, let's start with this. I like in the Miami UAB, and I said FAU, which is Florida Atlantic, it's UAB. Uh, I actually like UAB to cover. And the reason why is very simply this. So with Miami, in case you forget, Miami has a transfer quarterback named De'Ara King who was at Houston the last few years. Really, really, really good player. But Miami also has one of the worst O-lines in college football. And so while I think De'Ara King helps, I do worry about his ability to be protected behind a really bad offensive line. And oh, by the way, UAB is actually a really, 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 really good team. They, are, they had a top 10 defense in college football last year, and they returned nine starters off that team. So UAB is a two-touchdown favorite. I believe I said 17 points. They are a two-touchdown favorite at 14 points, 14 and a half points. If you can get them at 14 and a half, take it. But I actually do like UAB to cover, and I also like the under of 54 and a half because I think it's going to be low scoring. UAB plays real defense. Miami plays real defense. I don't trust Miami's offense. And so because of it, I like UAB plus 14 and a half. And I also like uh, the under of 54 and a half. Second game I like, Saturday afternoon. You guys are going to laugh, by the way. I'm picking the most obscure games, but I have done my homework. And there's a reason I'm staying away from the big games because I don't like them. Next game I like is your Charlotte 49ers plus 17 against Appalachian State. Uh, Appalachian State last year was really good. They went 13-1, and but my fear with Appalachian State is this. I just referenced Scott Satterfield at Louisville. Uh, Scott Satterfield left last year. They get a new coach. His name's Eli Drinkowitz. Eli Drinkowitz leaves to go to the University of Missouri this year, and uh, Appalachian State now has the, their third different head coach in three years. Now, this guy was in the program. He's a good coach, blah, 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 blah. But I just think as good as App State is, it is going to be an adjustment period. And one thing about Charlotte, they can score points. They averaged 30 a game last year. They won their last five. And I think this is just too many points for them to be getting on the road. So I do like Charlotte plus 17 over App State. Uh, two other picks. ACC, Georgia Tech and Florida State. I hate to do it. But I like another under. Bottom line, Florida State, listen, I know there's a lot of Mike Norvell buzz, and he was amazing at, at, uh, at Memphis and all that stuff. He was. He was great. He was phenomenal. What you need to know about Mike Norvell is that he is inheriting a terrible team. Florida State gave up, I believe, the most sacks of any Power 5 team last year. They couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't protect James Blackman, who threw 11 interceptions in basically half a season starting. He split t- starting time with Alex Hornibrook. And so I just don't trust that def- I just don't trust that offense to be able to move the ball. Georgia Tech, by the way, terrible offense as well. If you remember last year, they were transitioning from the triple option to, excuse me, a more pro-style traditional offense. They really struggled offensively. So two bad offenses. Both teams, I think, are going to play hard. I like the under in the Georgia Tech game. Finally, this is one to keep an eye on. Texas plays UTEP, okay? Texas, or excuse me, UTEP is, and I'm not exaggerating, they might be the worst team in FBS football. They went 1-11 last year. They won their opener against an FCS team and then lost 11 straight. 
Then on top of losing 11 straight, they lost their starting quarterback this offseason, their starting running back, their best wide receiver, a bunch of guys on defense. They could somehow be worse. So Texas is a 43-point favorite. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to wait until Saturday, and I am going to bet the first half line. I think Texas will come out. They'll dominate early. It's been a long offseason. They want to prove that they belong on the field, that they're not as bad as they were last year. And I think they're up at least 28 points at halftime of that game. And so I will bet the first half of the game. So here are the four bets that I have. Five bets, excuse me. Really random games. I have UAB plus 14.5 over Miami. Plus I also have the under in that game of 54.5. I have Charlotte plus 17 over App State. I have the Georgia Tech Florida State under a 52. And I have the Texas UTEP first half line. I should mention, by the way, Aaron Torres online. If you go there, uh, I will have write-ups of, uh, of, of why I like these games. And you can always, if you want to bet, use my bookie. You can use the promo code Torres. You'll receive a 100% sign-up bonus, which basically means that if you put in 25 bucks, you get $25 back, uh, 50 bucks, $50 back, et cetera, et cetera. That's mybookie.ag, promo code Torres. If you want to bet on some of these games, it doesn't have to be these games. It could be any game, but go to my bookie, use the promo code Torres and get a 100% sign-up bonus, which basically means it doubles your money, but those are my picks. Go to Aaron Torres online to read more. <laughs> all right. I think that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I've talked plenty about the ACC, about Billy Donovan, and about college football. I want to thank you guys for listening, and I want to remind you guys, if you are not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure to follow the new Twitter page, at Aaron Torres Pod, putting up all sorts of content on that page. And finally, if you have any questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres, podcastquestions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to my boy, Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. And I'll be back on Monday. Enjoy the first weekend of college football, people. Enjoy Texas Chiefs. Let's not get a 346-team NCAA tournament, okay? Take care, guys. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.